0: Do you need treatment or surgery? There's no need to wait or travel abroad. Receive treatment at Kingsbridge Private Hospital in Belfast or Ballykelly under the Northern Ireland Planned Healthcare Scheme at potentially no cost. Why wait? Text HELLO to 51777 or visit kingsbridgeprivatehospital.com for further information.
1: Country Life on Midlands 103. Brought to you by W Orshaw Burlington Business Park Tullamore. Supplier of New Holland tractors in the Midlands. Worshaw.it Good evening and welcome to Country Life. No, I'm not MJ Cleary. I'm Sinead Hubble, and I'm in till eight o'clock tonight. Coming up, we'll talk about wonky vegetables, weather and how a new farming apprenticeship could bring life back to the industry. And if you want to get involved in this evening's show, you can text or WhatsApp on 083 3010103 with thanks to the Lamb Brothers Toyota Arden Road Tullamore text line. But first, we're going to discuss the Minister of Agriculture. He believes farmers are getting on with the jobs that they have to do. Charlie McConalogue was speaking at the Tullmore Show and says that he wasn't coming under fire from anyone during his visit to the county on Sunday.
0: Every day is uh, po- a positive space, I think. Um, I think very often the, the public narrative that that, re- that, that uh, surfaces and, and comes out is, is not really representative of where most of farmers are at because farmers on a day-to-day basis are getting on with it and um, are doing a lot in the environmental space. And have been, and sort of been on this journey long before anyone else as well. Um, and uh, there was, you know, there's a lot of work to do, but there's a lot of work ongoing. And, uh, you know, if we look at the, the recent... Um, EPA uh, figures for the 2022 emissions that show that agriculture's emissions were down 1.2% last year and were below our 2018 baseline as well and that shows that we're going in the right direction and it's all now about building momentum and Farmers have a great appetite for that, um, and from a government point of view, we're backing them strongly through the new cap program, which we've increased national funding for by fifty percent. Um, and the sustainability tent here today is the the first time that that's been run. It's a really positive initiative. It's showing the industry and all stakeholders, and indeed the department, uh, coming together in one space as well to provide information to farmers, and also with the sustainability awards, showcasing some of uh, the great work that farmers are doing. So it's quite it's quite positive in relation to uh, political party specifically for farmers? No, I haven't had any chat about that today at all, no. Um, so, and listen, uh, I suppose on one sentence August, you'll have, <laughs> you'll have lots of chat, but... Uh, uh, Listen, it's easy easy to talk about setting up a political party. Um, The reality is very, very different, and uh, there's lots of political parties there already. (laughs) And certainly, uh, from my point of view, I I see Fianna Fáil very much as a farmer's party, and I see this government, this three-party government, as backing agriculture really, really strongly. Um, We have um, the the highest increase ever um, between one camp programme and the next in terms of the national funding, the national contribution, with a 50% increase in funding. And that means that the schemes are running... um, um, are significantly more strongly funded than everywhere before, and that's really what we're seeking to do as a government, and to, to back farmers in that regard. And then, of course, the most thing, the most important thing to farmers, always, in is price, um, which obviously a government can't, uh, doesn't set. But the one thing which we have done, which is a, a first as well, as we've introduced, the, introduced on a statutory basis, a new legal office of the food regulator, um, uh, with the objective of bringing more transparency to the food supply chain, and particularly with the objective of making sure that we can see farmers get the best possible margin in relation to what's happening in the food supply chain by shining a light on what's on what's happening in it and that's a really um, a proactive initiative we've taken this year um, in relation to in, in relation to that the price side and
2: um, I last week um, that they would seek compensation if um, any dairy exit schemes be rolled out or uh, a reduction
0: in cow numbers they say they've invested heavily since the quotas were removed and that they say that they should be compensated for that what's he making those kind of calls? Well listen I mean I've received all of the because I've wanted to work with everyone in the farming sector um, to, to achieve it's a shared challenge um, uh, reducing emissions while, con- while maintaining our really productive food, uh, food output. Um, so I've worked closely, and it's really important going forward, we continue to work closely with, with farmers and their representatives. Um, so uh, one of the I had put together a dairy food vision group, which one of the proposals they suggested, which should be considered further, was whether there should be or the option of, of a dairy reduction scheme. Um, uh, among many other initiatives which are already underway um, and which farmers are doing a lot of work in um, so to, to look and to flesh that out what what, what what people had in mind there I went back to all of the individual stakeholders um, seeking submissions as to what exactly uh, such a proposal would look like so there's, there's been ma- many varying um, views that have come back as part of that I'm now just considering what's come back um, I've been clear from the outset that there's never been any government decision in relation to this, there isn't there, there hasn't been. There, 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 your, there your, hasn't uh, been a Your department colleague, Minister Fahaka this morning called it's uh, a stretch that dairy processors would get such compensation, and that she couldn't really see it happening. Would you agree? Oh, well, listen. I mean, I wouldn't even get into that at this stage because the first step is to decide is whether we would we would do um, uh, such a scheme and, and what it would look like, and whether. Uh, so, and as I, I've asked all the key stakeholders in agriculture for their views on that. Um, obviously, the ICOS submission is one of those, um, uh, but all of the farm representative organisations have all come through with their proposals as, and suggestions as well, differing ones. So, this now reflecting all of those. Now, um, the, the, there had been no, and there is no government decision that there would be such a scheme, um, and uh, any decision like that would not would be something that would be would be given very strongly. Uh, uh, due care and consideration um, in advance of anything like that happening, and key to that would be the views of the stakeholders themselves. So, um, because we all have to work together, one thing is clear, and one thing isn't negotiable for any of us, and um, and that's something we're all agreed on. Is that we have to make progress, and we have to bring emissions down while maintaining food production. Um, and uh, I consider those.
2: those just the say that the the question on the, the farmers' party, and was raised already, train four farmers or the farmers' are giving it their first preference bowl. Vote. they kind of came along with a surge in votes for independence and a drop in Fianna Gale's vote and Fianna Fáil's vote and a drop in your own performance rating why do you think Farmers say since December have maybe viewed their performance
3: less possibly than they did six months ago or eight months ago?
0: Oh, well, listen, I mean, I think it's been a much more difficult year for agriculture. Uh, it's been more challenging. Weather has been difficult this year, and we have it difficult price-wise this, this year as well. And that, that, that's affected farmer and agriculture sentiment across the board um, in, in many aspects. So, you know, listen, polls, polls are polls, and you obviously always have to take them with a pinch of salt. But nonetheless, I think, uh, you know, that, that that different type of weather is going to impact uh, on uh, farmers' views towards politicians as well as uh, towards other things. So, listen, whether it's um, heavy weather or fair weather from an agriculture point of view, my job as Minister remains the same, which is to work hard, um, do the very best I can for the sector, listen very closely to all of those that I represent, and work, work hard to get the best possible outcomes from them. And, listen, um, that's what I will keep doing, um, and uh, that's the only thing you can control, um, how your job performance and is viewed is a matter for, uh, for, for those that you're working on behalf of.
1: Minister, can I ask you just about the protest in her recently with the farmers over the flooding along the Shannon. What supports are going to be put in place or have you met with any of the farming representatives?
0: Yeah, well, I have a discussion with farm representative organisations and also um, a number of the local uh, ROCTAS members have been in touch with me as well. I know it's been a challenging, uh, challenging situation. Obviously, listen to me, this is something which is... Uh, these farmers have been dealing with all their lives, um, and it's been part of uh, part of the geography of uh, being along the Shannon. And uh, some years can be more difficult than others, and certainly it has been more challenging this year. Um, but it, it does go with part um, of the challenge. Um, but certainly, listen, I'll continue to um, engage further with representatives um, in relation in relation to the situation.
1: And that was Minister Charlie McConnellogue speaking at the Tullamore show earlier this week. Do you believe what he said? Is that just life on the Shannon and the farmers have to accept because of where they are in geography of the country? that They're going to be prone to flooding. This is after we saw 150 farmers protest in Bannehill earlier this, this month after thousands of bales of hay and silage have been lost. Well, how do you feel on the matter? Do you agree with them that, you know, the weather can impact how you feel about them? Let me know by text or WhatsApp on 083 3010 103. Up next we'll hear from the Irish Farmers Association on what the minister had to say. Country Life on Midlands 103. Brought to you by W Orshaw Burlington Business Park Tullamore, supplier of New Holland's tractors in the Midlands. Worshow.ie. And it is Country Life on Midlands 103 and I'm Sinead Hubble sitting in for MJ Cleary this evening. Before the break we heard from Minister Charlie McConnelogue on his thoughts on the opinions farmers have out of him after a recent opinion poll from the Irish Farmers Journal. Um, his rating has fallen among farmers and Um, It's something that we put to the IFA, IFA earlier this week and Francie Gorman, who's the South Leinster Regional Chair, is joining me this evening. Good evening, Francie.
4: Good evening, Sinead.
1: You heard the minister there um, react to the the comments by um, the, the comments that were put to him on his rating with with farmers, and he kind of dismissed it, saying that you know the weather can really impact on farmers' views um, that they have on politicians. Like, what do you make of his comments?
4: Well, look, polls are a snapshot in time, and I think anyone that would totally dismiss them, uh, you know, would, would probably would be silly to do so. There's no question at the moment but that farmers are very disenchanted with uh government policy in general with the minister for agriculture with her Tishuk, with her and you know particularly around environmental um of farmers and and how it's going to be funded and what we're expected to do and it's easy for the ministers that you know they've provided money in the cap program so farmers can meet these um environmental challenges the reality is for most farmers who who, who won't even get their payments in time in october this year um Uh, The reality is that most people are actually been asked to fund these challenges and fund these requirements out of money that they've already been getting. And I don't know of any other sector that, uh, you know, is doing that. There's little or no new funding coming in to uh, help farmers meet the challenges. And it's little or no wonder in a year when you've seen, you know, the prices of all major commodities, uh, grain, lamb, milk, beef, you know, fall dramatically from where they were last year, that farmers would be disenchanted. And, you know, last year, probably the one thing that got us out of uh, uh, jail in terms of huge input cost rises was the fact that all major commodities, the prices for them held. But that hasn't been the case this year. And look, for the minister to think that, you know, it's weather related or whatever, um, you know, he really, he, he I, wouldn't, I certainly wouldn't agree from there.
1: He did acknowledge that it has been a difficult year for farmers and especially with the weather that we saw July was the wettest month but do you think that he realises how difficult it really has been and the struggle that some farmers are really facing at the moment?
4: Well he should realise it because to be fair to him he's travelled the country extensively over his uh, term as Minister for Agriculture he's heard it often enough from from other farm organisations so I have no doubt that and you know it's there in the back of his mind um, for me I can't understand why there's not done more in terms of uh, as I said earlier funding farmers to, to help meet these, meet these environmental asks and and like if you look at uh, you know the payment dates that farmers are going to have to uh, in terms of their premiums and the cuts to supports that we get the, the ANC payment is going to be a month later this year our base payment is going to be grossly reduced and be a fortnight later. And, like, he he, he has to realise that at the moment there's a level of disenchantment with farmers and anger that I haven't seen for a long time. And not just anger and disenchantment. It's worry as well about going into the back end of the year with merchants' bills to to to, to meet, with, uh, you know, pre- tax and preliminary tax bills to meet. Uh, most farmers that I meet, telling me that they feel that this back end is going to be the most difficult back end that farmers have faced in a generation.
1: And there has been a lot of talk about a new political party for farmers. Do you think there's a need for one or do you think the government are listening to what you're saying?
4: not sure about political parties. I mean, the main political parties that are there at the moment are struggling to survive. Fianna Fáil, Fine Gael have seen their... Um, you know, their support uh, have probably from you know, a time when either of them would have headed up uh, government with the other in opposition. So I'm not sure if political parties are the answer. The PD- PDs came and came and went. Um, obviously, you know, uh, Sinn Féin seems to be running high in polls at the moment. Labour Party's struggling. Social Democrats are struggling. I think that, you know, if we need, from a firm perspective, is we need, you know, a greater sense of unity among all farm organisations. There's probably a case there for IFA to be a little bit more generous with their space in terms of how they bring other farm organisations together and that we go together with, uh, go together to government whoever it is with a unified voice on all the important issues like environment and, you know, put forward the positive things that we've been doing, not just this year, And I acknowledge the Minister said back over a number of years, and he's correct here, put forward, you know, what we're doing in a positive way and put forward our asks that will help us meet the emissions, um, our emissions targets, which whether we like it or not now are set in stone. And, you know, if we don't reach them, we're not 100% sure what the implications of, of that will be. But at the moment, we're legally bound to meet them by 2030.
1: And one of the things that I asked the minister about on Sunday was about the recent protest in Bannehill where we saw over 150 farmers cross the bridge to protest over the issues of flooding along the Shannon. And his response was that it's part of the geography of the area and that this has been going on for a long time. I can't imagine that went down well with farmers. Like what actually needs to be done and what should the minister be working on at the moment?
4: Well, I think if there was any one part of that interview that showed if the Minister was out of, out of touch with farmers on the ground, it's that. Because as long as I've been farming and as, long as, and as long as I've been involved in IFA and have been involved in IFA from before, I suppose, Tom Parlin was pre, was President of IFA, that's going back 20 years plus. The issue of flooding and the shannon has, has, has been something that hasn't been properly addressed. The only time there was an attempt made to do it was when Balfour Moore was minister with responsibility for the OPW, and there were relief uh, works done, um, flood relief works done around the town of Loughnane. There was certainly, uh, uh, you know, one of the seven pinch points that that was identified. I think around Lustmet was was addressed, but once he left office, little or nothing has been done since. And you're going back over probably. 50, 60, 70 years that nothing significant has been done in the Shannon. And for the Minister to say what he said, and I mean he's spoken with Pat Murphy, our, our SAC project, Pat Walsh, our chairman in of Offaly, and, and, and farmers on both sides of the Shannon, um, he should know the the absolute you know, uh, disaster of a situation that's over there at the moment where people can't get winter bother cut and and it's down to the fact that there hasn't been a proper remedial uh program put in of works put in for the shannon going back over 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 decades and look there's probably six or seven bodies that have an input into if you want to do something in the shannon in the morning from the opw to the S B to birdwatch ireland uh to uh waterways ireland and we need one body in charge of looking after the shannon and we're not looking to have a dream today or tomorrow but if they started and did a certain amount of work this year and a certain amount of work, work next year and provided a rolling budget year on year, at uh, you know, uh, uh, go and address the real pinch point first. Put, uh, put a policy in place, a management policy for the sluice gates place that, you know, they don't just open when the place is flooded. That in t- anticipation of heavy rain, that the sluice gates would be open and allow the water to move on. We'd be going somewhere, but at the moment, like, uh, we're, we're going nowhere. And for the minister to make the comments that you know it's almost like something you have to suck up because you're living beside the Shannon to me shows he's totally out of touch.
1: And do you have confidence in him?
4: That's uh that's uh, I suppose a very difficult question. I, I never expressed I would uh, the last thing you do is express no confidence in somebody because. Uh, then it means, you know, you're looking for a head and uh, if the next Minister comes, who knows if he's going to be any better or not. What we need to see is action uh, around, particularly if you talk about the, the River Shannon, um, the points I've made around how to address the problems on the Callows. That's what you need. I mean, I think looking for heads is, uh, you know, it's you work with who you have as best you have. Uh, it's not just the Minister's a problem. To me, the problem lies with the public service. He's seen the General Secretary of the Department of Agriculture. his senior staff underneath him. You know, at the end of the day, they um, they formulate policy within the department on a daily basis. And there seems to be little or no meaningful interaction between us and them. We've seen an environmental me- on environmental measures. We've seen it on, on the recent CAP negotiations that took place. And policies now have now been decided on a desktop, to me, in Dublin and Brussels, with little or no interaction. To, with, with farmers on the ground or farmer organisations and I mean we have you know to be fair to IFA and some of the most of the farm organisations we have a professional staff in place that can put policies together that we can go in and say this will work on the ground this is how it's going to be done this is how it's going to be funded this isn't happening at the moment the only interaction or the only consultation that we're getting is just a skin deep consultation that when a policy is decided at the end of the day they'll be able to say you know, to the masters in Europe we tick this box in consultation and that's not good enough
1: And Francie before I let you go it's election time for farmers as Tim <laughs> Ivaris, Tim <laughs> Killian is his time as president is coming to an end and we know that nominations for candidates have opened this week for the roles of president deputy president and for the regional chairs and you've thrown your hat into the ring already um, for it why did you decide to, to put your name for it?
4: Yes, I have. I had a, probably a difficult spring in that I broke my leg very badly in a fire accident here in, in, in late December. And it was only when I knew I could get back walking properly um, that I decided i put my name forward. I had a, a, a number of people, not in the hundreds, but people who I respect greatly, would have encouraged me, particularly through the latter end of last year and in the spring, to put my name forward. And look, I've put my name forward. I've been involved in the organization, as I said, for probably. 20 a member of the organization for probably 20 25 years i've been involved at a uh, uh, local level in leash and national level for probably the last uh, 10 to 15 very actively and i know the organization inside out um you know i tend to keep my feet in the ground don't get too far away far removed from where um you know what i'm doing at home here uh, on my own farm and i absolutely um believe if i'm elected I can bring something to the table and, and, and what that would be, would be certainly the points you've made about getting in in terms of policy. If we're not going to get in uh, to the department or into a government in terms of getting our points of view and policy put forward, we need to plant a flag in the round and we need to say this is not going to happen any longer, but you know, if, if you do that Sinead, there's a responsibility on you then that if, if you put forward suggestions. And I would have always believed that the department would be very willing to take on suggestions on board from from organisations. That you're prepared to go out and sell them to your farmer members then and say, "All right, this is government policy on sucklers on dairy or whatever," and you know we're supporting this. So uh, uh, you know there's a there's a responsibility along with putting forward your ideas, if they're accepted, to go out and man up and actually sell them and say to farmers why these are good ideas. Um, and I, I believe we can do an awful lot more of that space, and if I'm elected, that would be my ambition. I, I think that we've, you know, we always talk about losing touch with people on the ground, and, and certainly, I suppose, it's it's been a difficult period for IFA, particularly, um, I suppose, since 2015, but then you go to, you know, when COVID came in, to be fair to Tim Cullinan, I look at her own county chair, John Fitz, and the county chairs that took over, Pat Walsh and Offley, at the same time, uh, one county executive meeting, and all, this, all of a sudden, nothing. And they had to manage that period through period through COVID. So it hasn't been an easy time for IFA and I think you know the organisation did a remarkable job to keep us relevant in that space. But it's time to drive on again now. It would be my ambition if if I'm elected. And look, thankfully, I have many nominations. Uh, got you need five nominations for your own County, and you know I could have got I've got a number of other nominations as well, but you're only allowed to take six now. So. It's all, it's all systems go now for the next three to four months and we'll know mid-December <laughs> the
1: outcome. Yeah, you'll definitely have a, a, a busy couple of months ahead of you because there'll be hustings all around the country um, and we'll know then when the votes, as I said, are counted in December. Um, But we'll be wishing you the very best of luck, Francie. And thank you very much for yeah. joining me on Country Life this evening.
4: Thanks, Sinead. Thank Thanks, you. Francie.
1: Bye-bye. Um, still to come this morning, we're going to find out the weather, and uh, we're going to catch up with uh, Colin Nolan from um, Ireland's Weather Channel, and we'll also be hearing about the Black Bull Trashing Festival that's coming to the Midlands very soon.
0: Do you need treatment or surgery? There's no need to wait or travel abroad. Receive treatment at Kingsbridge Private Hospital in Belfast or Ballykelly under the Northern Ireland Planned Healthcare Scheme at potentially no cost. Why wait? Text hello to five. One seven seven seven, or visit Kingsbridge Private Hospital.com for further information.
1: Country Life on Midlands One O Three brought to you by W. Orshaw Burlington Business Park Tillamoor, supplier of New Holland's tractors in the Midlands. W. IE It's hoped a newly announced farming apprenticeship scheme will bring interest back into the sector. The Irish Farmers Association is encouraging people to avail of the opportunity to become a farm technician or manager which has become available to those with or without a background in the industry. IFA President and Tumivaris Tim Cullinan has been speaking to Midlands 103's Cameron Clark and says he welcomes the initiative but he's concerned about the number of people available to take it up.
5: Yeah, look, I think I think this is a, a, an important announcement by Minister Harris. And I suppose what people can expect is obviously the the first thing that needs to happen here now is you know that uh, host farmers need to be put in place so where uh potential candidates would, would obviously uh work on on with host farmers and, and obviously then part of the course would be with Chagas itself as well. And I suppose look if we look at it there's a huge requirement on on both um for management managers and you know, technical people on farms as well, and uh, so hopefully now that you know, there is candidates out there that would take up those positions on farms and 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 get into this farm apprenticeship scheme. I suppose one of the concerns I have around uh, about this is you know, the availability of people to to take up the position. So that is a challenge for us, and I think that's something the minister wants to have a relook really at and to ensure that uh, there is uh, people out there to take up the positions because there's a huge shortage of, of people, skilled people and, and people for you know, doing the day-to-day to work currently on farms. And it's across all sectors. It's dairy, livestock, beef sheep, pigs and poultry as well. So, you know, I would say there's huge opportunities there for people to get involved in the sector. And, you know, the sector has moved on over the years and you know, has become very technical as well. And,
2: uh, as I say, hopefully there's huge opportunities there into the future. You made an interesting point there about you raising concerns that there may not be enough people to take the scheme on. Is there any way that we can ensure that people do get involved in these apprenticeships and, you know, ultimately make it a success?
5: Yeah, I suppose if we're looking at it, we're at um, 4% unemployment in the country currently, like and that's a very low level. And you know, as we know, you know a lot of young people, when they do qualify, they tend now maybe to go abroad for a year or two. And you know, that's understandable as well. But before they would do that, that the woods, young people coming out of college would have a look at this apprenticeship and you know see for themselves that they believe there would be a career for them in agriculture going
2: forward, and you know it's a very important sector, in particular in rural Ireland. Can anyone apply for these new apprenticeships, or do you need a background in the industry?
5: No, absolutely no. I think I think it's always important that we would encourage people from outside of the industry to come in and have a look and see. You know, maybe they would they would look at it and say yeah there may be a role for me getting into this sector and so it's always I think it's always very healthy to see new people coming into any sector and absolutely we would welcome people from outside of agriculture coming in and taking up roles in uh, training in farming and maybe become farm managers in the future.
2: So while those with a background in the industry will have a sort of basic knowledge going into these apprenticeships which might make it a little bit easier for them starting out how will people non-farmers and people who are, don't have a background in the farming industry how will they find coming to terms with the beginning of the apprenticeship will they find that part difficult uh, look I suppose
5: look like anybody taking uh, a career um, or a diversion in, in in their career. But look, um, coming into farming, I think working with a farm, working with a farm family there, I think you know, it can be a very rewarding experience for people coming in that wouldn't have been involved in farming in the past. You know, it is different. There will be challenges around that. But as I say, you know, from a machinery point of view, from you know, running a dairy farm, pig poultry farms, they are very and there's a lot of technology involved
2: now as well so I think so there would be a challenge and a great experience there for people who would want to come in. When applicants apply for this apprenticeship and they ultimately carry it out and finish it, where would they expect to go afterwards? Yeah, well, looked
5: as I said, there is huge demand for qualified people. Uh, number one, for, for farm managers there's a huge demand, a huge requirement across all sectors there at the moment so the, the, there would be ample employment prospects there for people that would um, qualify in this course or this uh, apprenticeship and and likewise for for technicians or people that want to be stock people or whatever on farms. A massive demand currently there at the moment so there's no need for people to worry if if they take up this apprenticeship that definitely there would be a huge requirement for those people when they would be qualified. And that's an important suppose, thing to know. I, I suppose just to say on that, I think, you know, I think having qualified people to be able to come in on farms now, I think it's very, very important You know, because uh, a lot of farmers are working there on their own and be able to bring in, let it be a farm manager or a person to deal with the technical side of the farm. As I said, there's a huge demand for, for those people there currently on, up and down the country.
2: And that's an important note to make because we know at the moment that you know, farmers are having a difficult time trying to source staff. How how much pressure will we put on this apprenticeship to, you know, fill that gap and resolve that issue a little bit?
5: Yeah, look, uh I suppose from our own point of view on IFA, so as I say, I, I would say this morning they'd be appealing to younger younger people that's out there to have a look at this and see is it for you? And uh, you know, we, I definitely we would be encouraging as many people as possible to take it up.
2: Is there any pressures that people heading into this apprenticeship need to be aware of? So, we'll say for those outside of the industry, you know, who may not have an overall knowledge of farming and, the, I suppose, the challenges that's facing the industry at the moment. What do they need to be? What do they need to know before they head in? I suppose, look, I have
5: a look overall at the sector. I suppose, if if you look at it, it is a sector that delivered sixteen point five billion in in exports for the country last year. So, it's a very important sector, in particular, in rural Ireland and. So it's, it's about sustaining rural Ireland. Currently, if you look at the sector at farm level, you know, right across the industry, there's close on 170,000 people implied in this sector. So you are coming into a sector, number one, producing top quality food here in Ireland and exporting that food to, around the, to 180 countries right around the world. And, you know, getting involved in agriculture in Ireland, it could lead to you know, going to other member states or any country right around the world. Once you have that experience, like any other sector, you know, you can make that career choice later on, and you know, if you want to even move on from farming here in Ireland. So, from that point of view, I think there's um, there's lots of opportunities for people to want to get involved, not not just at primary food production, but you know, later on maybe in 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 the sector itself overall.
1: And that was the IFA president Tim Cullinan speaking about the new scheme to get more apprenticeships in the farming sector. And uh, we had a message in from Mike Hawke on 083 3010 103 to say congratulations to all involved in the Tullamore show. He says it was well worth the trip from Nobber in Meath down to Tullamore. Well, it was the warmest June on record for Ireland. Uh, July brought the wettest and we have a status yellow rainfall warning for this Friday. It will run across Leinster, Munster and Galway. They'll be in place from four o'clock on Friday until later that night. Met Aaron is is warning to prepare for heavy rain with thundery downpours. So is this what we can expect for the rest of the summer? Good evening, Carl Nolan from Ireland's Weather Channel. Do you have any good news for us this week?
3: (laughs) I suppose the good news, I suppose, looking at the weather warning that's in place, of course, for Friday, is that the system itself is responsible for that warning. It will pass through pretty quickly. So beyond that, into the weekend, we will see conditions drying out once more. With that, plenty of sunny spells, one or two scattered showers throughout the course this Saturday and Sunday. As we go into next week, overall, the start of the week, certainly not bad in terms of the weather conditions that we can expect. Expect relatively dry conditions. The odd scattered shower at the time turns a little bit more unsettled as we get into the second half of the week and I suppose that really is the picture then as we go towards the i suppose the last couple of days of the summer at that point in time before entering into the autumn season
1: you could tell us that there was going to be plenty of sunshine Cahill. is there going to be any <laughs> opportunities for spraying over the next couple of days um just for for farmers so they know know that they can get out and about
3: I suppose look at Tomorrow itself is probably going to be expected to be a pretty dry day across the region, so we don't expect any rainfall really tomorrow. It's not until Friday morning that we start to see the first rain coming in from that particular weather system that, of course, is bringing quite a fall of rain through the course of the afternoon and evening on Friday. Beyond that, I suppose, as we look towards next week, early next week, so probably Monday and Tuesday, there is a chance at that point in time of some spring as well, relatively dry conditions at that stage, beyond that, while there is a degree of uncertainty, it does look as though we will try a little bit more unsettled. So obviously less favourable conditions then through the second half of next week.
1: And do you see August setting any records for anything seen as July was the hottest and... Uh, or June was the hottest and July was the wettest?
3: <laughs> Something in the middle probably would go for in regards to August. At the moment, it's looking like it be a pretty average month in terms of precipitation. I think it'll balance out really, maybe slightly above average in terms of the precipitation levels. Certainly, depending on the locations that you are in the country, it will be above average. For the Midlands, average now probably just a little bit above average in terms of rainfall. Temperature-wise, unbelievably, so it's still running probably above average. Uh, the long-term averages this summer so far, they're still hovering at about half a degree to a degree above average. And I suppose in terms of the wind speeds this summer, they have it above average. Certainly so during the month of July, less so obviously for the month of June. It's very dry, very settling conditions at that point. Into August, probably coming in around average
1: as well. Carl Nolan from Ireland's Weather Channel, thank you very much for the update and we'll speak to you again soon.
3: Thank you very much. Take thank care.
1: you. Still to come this morning, we'll be finding out how to go back in time um, at the Black Bull Trashing Festival. Country Life on Midlands 103, brought to you by W. Orshaw Burlington Business Park Tullamore, supplier of New Holland's tractors in the Midlands, worshaw.ie. On tomorrow's Midlands Today, we'll have our weekly feature, Hours to Protect, which is on every Thursday morning where we look at how to create a greener and more sustainable future. Hours to Protect is brought to you by Midlands 103, the IBI, and funded by Commissioner Mann with the television licence fee. And you can check out more on hourstoprotect.ie for more information. The government is being accused of not investing properly in rural and regional areas. The rural independent group of TDs said say the government is too Dublin-focused. A recent survey suggested a farmers' party could prove popular among farmers, but Matty McGrath, an independent TD for Tipperary, believes that that would only widen the divide.
3: Definitely not. It's not a farmers' and the rest of the country. We need, as I said, a party, you or know, grouping, a thinking change that represents Everybody in a rural parish, not just the farmers, uh, farmers' party just wouldn't um, gain the traction. And it's not simplistic of that. Uh, It would really make the divide worse.
1: And another issue that has been um, in the news today is wonky vegetables. Uh, the IFA's National Fruit and Veg Committee is calling on supermarkets to stop looking for prote- pr- perfection from farmers. Many retail chains impose sizing and appearance standards on growers supplying their fruit and vegetables. The Environmental Protection Agency estimates most of the 150 kilograms the average household throws out um is okay to eat Dean Malone, who's manager of Robbie's Green Grocers in Kilmacud in Dublin, says they aim to reduce food waste as much as possible.
2: If a car comes in and it's broken or it's just an odd shape that you know you're not going to get a full price for it. Again, we'll always work with the customer, no more than ourselves. Our customers, being a local shop, they don't like seeing waste and nor do we. So also the growers themselves, we just don't like seeing things like that going into the bin. So as much as we can help, we will.
1: One of the events to come to the Midlands later this month is the Black Bull Trashing Festival, which is taking place on Sunday week, the 27th of August. And to tell me all about what's coming up at it is Seamus Kennedy, who's a field marshal with the committee. Good evening, Seamus. How are you doing?
6: Good evening, Sinead. I'm good, thank you.
1: Seamus, you've got an exciting list of events and uh, <coughs> happening on Sunday the 27th of August can you tell us what, what's going to be happening at the Black Bull Trashing Festival this year
6: Yeah we have a wide a wide range of, of activities and things for everyone to see and as we say it is a, a vintage um, it's, we have to try to confine everything to vintage to all times and uh, we don't allow in hawkers or stalls or modern stuff so all all the things on site are all, all done by the parishioners or whoever is involved so We have um, a big selection of music this year, live music, we have Ashley and Rafferty and the Dooley Brothers, they're the two men, plus our own local talents. And then we have of course the Trashin is the big one, the Trashin Mill, Michael O'Toole owns that, That, that'll be running most of the day. Um, We have a dog show and that that draws a lot of people and lots of prizes, big prizes in that. then we have the home produce stall, which is another big uh, spinner for us. People come with their honey and their cakes and their tarts and all the vegetables and things like that. Um, we do have a big vintage display, which tractors and cars and tools and loads of stuff like that. And all those exhibitors are free to, to on the day. Um, we also have um, this year, we have a new thing. We have the Guarantee O'Connor have a stand in it. And They're bringing the mounted support unit, the mounties as they call them. They're bringing their horses there to have them there and talk to the people and mingle with them. Um, then we have the usual thing the the butter making and the griddle bread and the cog cannon. And then at the end of the, we have the farm yard, we the little animals that's great for children. We have a play area for children as well. And uh, then we have the auction at the end of the evening as well. So there's lots of things for everything and we have a couple of steam engines there on display so there's, there's a lot, lot of things to be looked at and a good day entertainment and it's a cheap entry of five euros and children are free so there's lots for everybody
1: So Seamus you're really taking people back to years gone by where there was the trashing to kind of show the work that went into it because these machines were incredible for their time
6: Oh they would be yeah the trashing mill is going back to years upon years and, and the binder as well or cutting the corn, probably still one of the greatest inventions of all time, the, the, the reed and binder. And people come and reminisce over years ago, and everybody had a trash in their farmyards, but that's gone kind of away now. But it's kind of go back in and look ahead again and look at and you don't have to work ahead of the last So it's good, you know, it takes people back.
1: You mentioned home produce there, and this is probably another skill that we're missing as well in the younger generations about the home baking and making so many of the foods that we eat. Like, there's a lot of things like the tradition of making the brown bread at home that's slowly disappearing. So, this event gives a chance for people to kind of sample the difference in the bread that is made uh, at home versus what you buy in the shop.
6: Correct, yes, I think it's done. In the in the home project stall, there's everything in it from vegetables to apple tarts to brown bread. a griddle bread. We actually have griddle bread making on site as well on the old griddle and an open fire, and that's there for anyone that wants to taste it. So there's there's lots of stuff to go around, and the the project stall is a great uh, thing for brings everybody from every corner of the parish to arrive with their their little donations and have a chat. It's a great family day out, you know. So. Brings it all together.
1: And Seamus, I have to ask, where did the name the Black Bull Trashing Festival come from?
6: Well, as you, where we have the the site is at the, there was a pub there, it's closed now, unfortunately, the Black Bull, and that's the site is as at the back of the pub. That's where we, we run the trash and that's where it got its name from. The Black Bull is uh, always a uh, landmark all over Ireland as a pub, and uh, we started there, and it's nearly 20 years ago now since we started, and. Uh, but that's why we've christened it the Black Bull Trashing Festival, that's called it after the pub.
1: And seeing as it's going 20 years, Seamus, I imagine that you've seen some changes to, I suppose, organising events like this over the last two decades as well and uh, the different reactions that you see every year from people.
6: Oh, the, the world, yeah. There, there, a lot of changes. We started out first when we, were, when we were relatively small, but... We, we we actually got stronger and stronger as the years went on and we got more people coming and coming from far away as well. They're not, people, they're not all local people. People have come from Cork, Turquini, the Northern Ireland. You know, we're, we're renowned as one of the good thrashing festivals and people have it in their calendar from one year to the other and they all flock to us on Sunday, the last Sunday in August. And we're all delighted to see them, you know.
1: And there has been some difficulty with some uh, other events, like agricultural shows this year, with the weather as well, um, playing havoc. And how are we looking for the next couple of weeks, Seamus? Is it looking like it's going to be dry, or do you have uh, precautions put in place?
6: Well, we we have no 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 backup, as the lad says. But uh, for the twenty years, we never had a wet day, so we're hoping that's going to continue. We we obviously were lucky with the weather, thank God, and. Uh, we had, a, had every day, every every year was fine and I think the way the weather has been we'll do a few good days so we're hopeful that Sunday we shall be a fine day
1: So the child of Prague is definitely out in Chervo <laughs> I'd
6: be lots of them out, <laughs> more than one <laughs> yeah.
1: That's brilliant Seamus, thank you very much for joining us on Country Life on Midlands 103 this evening and best of luck with the Black Bull Trashing Festival which is and that's taking place on the 27th of August. Now, Paul Tierney is on his way. He is tackling Ireland's 23 highest peaks in memory of Ashley Murphy, and it's in aid of the Ashley Mur- Murphy Memorial Fund and the Children's Grief Centre. He's going to travel a total of 1,182 kilometres cycling. 171 kilometres of running and Midlands 103 will be there to welcome him back with Saturday Beat when it comes live from the finish line in Blue Ball this Saturday between 5 and 9. Midlands 103 supporting the Ashley Murphy Memorial Fund and the Children's Grief Centre. You can donate by searching for Paul Tierney on IDONate. And if you fancy winning a voucher 50 euro to spend um, this week, we have teamed up with the all new Midlands Park Health and Fitness Club to celebrate the launch at the Midlands Park Hotel in Port You can find out more about the new Midlands Park Health and Fitness Club by clicking on the leisure and spa on Midlands Park Hotel. Dot com. Well, I think that's all we have time for tonight. I want to thank all my guests um, for joining us: to Francie Gorman from the IFA, and Tim Cullenan, as well as Cahill Nolan from the Irish Weather Channel, and Seamus Kennedy from the committee of the Black Bull Trashing Festival in Chara which is taking place later this month on Sunday, the 27th of August, when they will take you back in time and you will see some plenty of vintage, some trashing, everything and anything, and even get to taste some of some really nice food by the sounds of it. Uh, Joe Cooney is up next with Country Roads. Uh, Thank you very much for listening and keeping me company tonight. Goodbye and have a good evening. Take care. I'm mm-hmm. sorry.